Now all across North Carolina, it's Carolina Newsmakers. Here's your host, Don Curtis. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Delighted to be back with you again this week. And this week we have a very interesting guest because housing is pretty much in the news these days. Not only the price of housing, the affordability of housing, and the supply of housing. And so we have uh, invited Wendy Harris to be with us. She is the president of the North Carolina Association of Realtors. And Jason tells me, uh, Wendy, that you are an expert and you will answer all of my questions in great detail and supply all the correct answers that all the listeners are waiting to hear. So uh, first of all, just as a Jason way of introducing, just as a way of introducing, let's talk just a little briefly about the North Carolina Association of Realtors, uh, how that organization works, and who is involved as far as members, and then we'll get to some questions about the housing industry. So okay. give us a, a little background on the uh, association itself, uh, and sure. uh, go right ahead. Yeah, so the association is uh, 101 years young, and, and we currently have over 56,000 members. So we're one of the largest associations in the in the state, uh, and and we are the only organized voice for for home ownership and private property rights in the state. We have all of our members, which count in that 56,000 plus, and we also have a grassroots effort that allows homeowners to. Um, directly have a voice on housing issues as well. Well, as I noticed, uh, you, as you said, you're 101 years old, and I see from the notes that Jason's given me that you started with an initial membership of 135, so from 135 to 56,000, that's, that's a lot of growth in even 100 years. It's a lot of growth. Well, let's, uh, let's turn our attention to housing, and of course, North Carolina, as we all know, is a very interesting state. We have some areas that are not developing very much, and we have other areas that are really moving, like the Raleigh-Durham area, the Greensboro area, the Charlotte area. Uh, and then we have the, the tourist market, which uh, uh, the uh, seasonal housing, the recreational housing. So there's a lot of things going on. So sort of give us a background of where we stand in uh, uh, especially, let, let's start with the fast-moving markets because housing prices are going up very, very rapidly, and it, usually that's because of a supply problem. So what is the supply problem? Uh, is it getting better in, in Raleigh-Durham and Greensboro and Charlotte, or are we just barely keeping up? So I would say neither of those. Um, the The... Are we getting more inventory? Well, yes, everyone's working very hard to supplant inventory. However, we're a decade behind on building. And so are we getting more inventory? Sure. Are we getting enough fast enough? No, definitely not. Um, but there's not an easy answer for that. And, you know, North Carolina, you mentioned a lot of interesting things about it. It makes it one of the most attractive states to come work and live in. There's lots of reasons why people are coming here and we're one, we're, we're, a, we're a growth state. We have been for a long time and we're going to continue on that projection because of really smart choices that the state is making. Um, so the demand on that housing is growing even as we're supplanting the inventory. 
So it's a, it, it's a challenge to live in such a wonderful place. But it's interesting because we keep, especially in uh, those fast-moving moving areas, we keep announcing new job opportunities. Uh, VentQuest is talking about working 7,000 people. Apple, of course, is uh, uh, opening a big center in, in the Raleigh area. And, of course, Charlotte has some new industry coming in and new businesses coming in. Um, uh, where do... Where do apartments fit into this picture as far as supply of where people can actually live? That That's a great question, Don, because a lot of times when people think of, of real estate, they think automatically of selling homes and in, in industrial area or in metropolitan areas, condominiums. And, and the fact is that, you know, realtors in the real estate industry also deal with rental and property management as well. And the reality is we've got a shortage of all of it in the state of North Carolina. We're not just short on single family homes for sale. We're also short on rental properties because of the growth that we've had in the state. And we're feeling that across the state um, in just about every market. But all of those things are more intensified in the large metro areas such as Charlotte or Raleigh-Durham. What about the seasonal and recreational homes on the coast and in the mountains? Those have entirely distinct challenges. Um, when you talk about appreciation and the price of real estate going through the roof, um, <laughs> so to say, um, then also you, you have that value going up. That's pushed the sales prices higher, but it's also meant the rental prices are going up as demand is increasing as well. It comes down to simple economics. You know, when you have high demand and, and low inventory, prices are going to go up. So in, when you look at the recreational areas, such as the coast and the mountains, the question that, that truly concerns me most sitting here is, how do the people who need to work in those areas afford to live in those seasonal areas? Um, and fill those jobs. I think that's probably one of the major concerns is, is the affordability side of that. And of course, availability, because that feeds into the affordability conversation. And of course, affordability also goes into fast growing markets like Raleigh, where real estate prices are going up and yet uh, uh, civil service workers, uh, fire police and so forth, uh, can they find affordable housing where they can live in the area that they actually work in? And that's a really important conversation to have because as we've learned through experiences here in the state of North Carolina is you've got to keep those primary um, you know, jobs filled within the local communities. You can't force them outside of those communities and, and expect them to commute in and actually accomplish their jobs in efficient ways. And, and it's a it's a big concern across the board, and not just the large metro areas. Um, even those mid-size or small-size metro areas. I'm out of the Fayetteville area, and we've had an 18% increase in in prices of homes over the last year or so. Yeah, 18% is 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 high, and, and yet uh, you know if someone sells a house and thinks they're going to have a profit. If they're turning around looking for a house, they're going to be buying in an inflated market also. That is the biggest concern I have. Anytime a seller calls me and says, we're ready to sell our house, I say, okay, let me just ask you one important question. Do you already have your next home? Because before we sell anything, we want to make sure you have a place to go. 
no matter if they're moving within the state or anywhere in the country, that's the first question that comes to my mind is let me not turn you into the next homeless person. So is, is you talk to people who are looking for homes, what are they basically, uh, say the, the mean or the middle, what is the demand right now that is, that sticks out the most as far as let's talk about residential housing. So I think it's very important to have the conversation that, of course, with the interest rates going up, you're hearing that the market is slowing down. Um, it is, and it needs to. It does not mean anything dramatic. These are small adjustments headed in the correct direction. You know, I pulled the numbers again from my area just a couple of days ago, and in an average a balanced market is considered about a six-month supply of inventory. We had markets that were down in less than a week. That had, They had less than a week's worth of inventory, and now those markets might have a month's worth or maybe a month and a half worth of inventory. So we are still such a strong seller's market. There's still such a shortage of supply. And so buyers need to understand that even though the market is, is slowing, it's, it's just a needed correction. You're still in a highly competitive market. Prices are still appreciating. They may be appreciating a little bit slower than they were, which is also good. Or you may see in some perspective there, you may see people saying, well, prices are coming down. Houses are selling for less than what they're listed for, which may be true, but it's only because they were overpriced listings. When you look at the closing prices, all of those are still appreciating. So it, it's, it's a very interesting market to educate people on and make sure buyers know how to be competitive and how to engage in the, in the market as a buyer. I keep hearing reports from people who are saying that the listing price, in many, many cases, there's a bidding war that starts at the listing price and people are paying, in most, in a lot of cases, more than the listing price. That's unusual, isn't it? They are. And that is still, if the house is in good condition and it's priced right, you are more than likely still going to pay higher than list price for that house. Not the way it was a few months ago where basically you could put any house on the market and it would sell for way over list price. Um, but if you've got a house price right, it's in good condition, you'll still pay more than list price for it. We're, we're seeing that for the most part um, around the state. Now, another thing that the demographers tell me is that family sizes are shrinking. Is that having an effect on how many bedrooms, for example, the average home may have in the future? I think it may have more of a difference on how we on how we use the rooms and spaces because one of the other dynamics we're seeing is families moving in together as well, children staying longer, parents moving back into homes. So although in 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 some ways we see that the the sizes of houses shrinking, we also see other dynamics in the real estate market. So I think it's going to speak to different use of properties. And what you also may see is in properties, additional dwelling units being built, in-law suites being built. Um, so you're going to see a lot of shifts happening over the next several years. Got about a minute and 15 seconds or so in this segment. What about COVID with people working at home more? Are people beginning to look at 
using uh, spare bedrooms or spare rooms as offices? That, that's exactly right. That's one of the shifts is, is how those spaces are being used. So whereas we may say a house may no longer have four bedrooms, now it has three bedrooms plus an office or plus a flex room or something along those lines. So that's a, that's a really good observation and it's completely accurate. Um, whether it's children studying from home, parents working from home, you know, we had a lot of entrepreneurs that came out of COVID. And so you may have a lot of home offices, even from that perspective as well. Well, what about the realtors themselves? Are they going into the offices much or are they working out of their homes more? <laughs> uh, yes, they are. They are definitely not coming into the office uh, as much as they were. They were already on the decline of doing that to begin with. And, and COVID really just helped everybody create even better systems of how to work remotely. So we do see that a lot. Our guest is Wendy Harris. She is the president of the North Carolina Association of Realtors. And we're talking about housing in North Carolina. And we have three additional segments. And we're going to turn to the rural sections of North Carolina, the areas that are not growing as fast, and get Wendy's opinions on what's happening in those areas. And we'll do that when we return with the next segment of Carolina Newsmakers. You stay tuned. Hey, Dad. How do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. Melissa from Michigan. I work an extra part-time job serving lunch at my child's school, but I still can't afford to put food on our table. Daniel from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. We continue with Carolina Newsmakers. Here's Don Curtis. Our guest this week on uh, Carolina Newsmakers is Wendy Harris, and she is the president of the North Carolina Association of Realtors. And of course, as such, she is a realtor herself. And uh, I think you said you were living in the Fayetteville area. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, it is. Well, let's, uh, you know, that's another interesting thing because we also have a lot of military presence in North Carolina. That's another housing concern because not only do we have active military, but so many military people choose to retire in North Carolina. Uh, they do. Yeah, especially in the Fayetteville area and uh, around Fort Bragg, which will be renamed. Uh, mm-hmm. I understand it's going to cost six, uh, $60 million, I believe, to rename Fort Bragg, but... Uh, it seems like an awful lot of money to spend to rename something, but anyway, that's that's a that's a topic for another another program. 
But we also have rural North Carolina. We have these areas uh, that are not growing as rapidly as Raleigh-Durham and Winston-Salem and Greensboro and Charlotte and Fayetteville and Greenville and some of those areas. So we've got about 75 counties or so that are actually uh, maybe even decreasing in size. So one of the problems that the, uh, the that, that presents as far as, uh, let's just say someone wants to put their market on a their house on a market and a, and a market that's not growing. Uh, how does the realtor handle this? How, how does the realtor handle the fat, slow moving markets? You know, my, my area is surrounded by a lot of rural counties. We've got Robinson County. We've got, you know, Bladen. We, we just have a lot around us, Scotland County and, and, Although those counties are um, smaller and not, you know, they suffered throughout the years, we are seeing if those counties have been able to make really good um, forward progress in the last decade, then they're winning as well through the economic development that's happening in North Carolina, not necessarily on the same level, but we're starting to see real gains in a lot of those areas. Now, if you're um, a realtor or a, or a uh, buyer or a seller who happens to be in one of those counties where you're just not seeing any growth whatsoever, then um, I really, I, I, I suggest that number one, you get involved with what's ever happening in that area to figure out the whys and the causes behind it. Because North Carolina just has so many assets. And even in rural farming communities, um, in the coming years, we're going to have great opportunities out of North Carolina, even in those truly rural and agricultural areas. Well, you know, that brings up another interesting point because uh, farms and farmland uh, becomes a real estate commodity and undeveloped land is... Uh, something that realtors deal with all the time because that's where the sites of the new homes are going to be. Uh, what have you seen as far as the price of land, as far as, uh, uh, let's, let's take Raleigh-Durham, what, uh, what are average lots selling for there compared to what lots are selling for, say, in Fayetteville or even Laurenburg? Oh, yeah. I mean, you're talking about major price disparities when you, when you talk about raw land or, or the, the price of lots to build on. I mean, there can be hundreds of thousands of dollars difference depending on the area that you're, that you're referencing. You know, it's an, interesting, um, it's an interesting thing because one of North Carolina's greatest assets is its land and its agriculture and it's beautiful. Just, I mean, it's such a beautiful state to drive from, from mountain to coast. And, and, and so while when we look at land, we do see the development potentials of certain pieces of property, as realtors, we also see the need to also preserve um, our green space and our agriculture because that's an asset as well. And so as we've got so much growth coming to the state of North Carolina, particularly if you're looking along the core, that, that corridor where we've got the mega sites and all of that happening sort of from the Greensboro down to um, Sanford Fayetteville area. Um, one of the questions we ask is how do we build in a really smart way that doesn't damage that 
um, or take away from that beautiful agricultural side of North Carolina, but also provides the housing that we're that we have to have for the people who are coming in to work in these locations. Well, now we've got uh, in the Raleigh Durham area, we have a uh, a plant that's going to make cars called Vinquest, and mm-hmm. they just recently closed. Uh, I mean, to show that they're serious, they just recently closed on the purchase of their land. So they are serious. They're talking in terms of 7,000 employees. How many houses are going to have to be built to satisfy that demand? And where, the, where will they be built? How far away will people travel to work at VinQuest? Exactly. That's, that's the real question right there. Um, we're already seeing people from the Raleigh area moving. You know, for years we saw them trickling towards Samford. Now we're seeing them in willing to make that commute. Um, you know, years ago, I saw a few people willing to drive from the Fayetteville area up to Raleigh. And so they're, they truly are moving out. They're moving out past Garner. They're moving in, in different places. Um, when you're talking about building um, affordably priced homes for, for families like this, yes, going into rural counties, the land may be cheaper, but the cost of getting infrastructure to those areas to provide the services that are needed may not always offset um, the cost of building closer to the major cities if the land were available, you know? And so there's a real struggle there with how far out do we go with the increased infrastructure costs versus rethinking how do we build closer into cities or in cities in more concentrated ways. Every city has its own zoning laws. uh, And uh, this is another problem that builders have to be concerned with. Uh, Do you feel like the zoning laws in most of our states are reasonable? In most of our state, are they reasonable or do we need changes? I think a lot of municipalities right now across the state of North Carolina are actively struggling with this. I think that um, certain municipalities really struggle between private property rights or or um, protecting what what people argue is the culture or the feel of the existing communities versus what the needs of the municipalities actually are and how to accomplish those and how to um, make all of that work together. It's, it's a real issue. So we are constantly looking at uh, zoning laws that are too restrictive, um, that are preventing a lot of the growth that the cities do need. I mean, they have to have it. We have such a dire shortage of inventory. And in making sure educating the public is a really important piece of that to say, we can change these zoning laws. We can get them changed, you know, in the cities where they need to be changed to allow the housing that needs to come in. But now we need the, the, the people, the residents in those areas, not to say, well, that's great, but not in my backyard. And so there's actually a two-way street. The zoning is part of it. We do need to open that up. We need cities to really think creatively, but we also need cities to be educating the people in the cities about how they can do this in a really smart way. One of the complaints you hear from the undeveloped areas is that the state is not doing enough to create jobs in these undeveloped 60 or so counties that are either not growing or actually losing. 
But the problem with that is you can't you can't make people live where they don't want to live. I mean, you know, it's it's the livability. So what's happening in some of those uh, isolated counties, say in northeastern North Carolina, before you get to the coast uh, or the extreme western part of the state, what's being done to increase the livability and make those more desirable as as uh, places for uh, jobs to be created? Yeah, the isolated counties are, are interesting because if you're going to bring in industry, then you've got to make sure you've got the infrastructure to support it. That That is a big part of it. So when we're talking about that, you're looking at the state, whether there are highways coming in, rail coming in, whether in certain areas there's natural gas available, of course, the high-speed internet, all of those types of things that a, that a business is going to require, including water. Um, access, uh, you know, waste disposal, all of those types of things. When you talk about residents just wanting to live in an area, of course, jobs drive that. But then you also have to say, what's happening within these communities to truly make them attractive to having people want to live there? And so it's not just on the state. It's also on those those counties and those municipalities within those areas to come up with a, a real plan. For it. I mean, if you look at Sanford and the drown that's happened there in the last 20 years, it's a, it, you know, we've got a few examples of them, Rutherfordton and a lot of other places where you can look and say, wow, these are small town Americas that were on the map of dying communities that have really found a way to, to bounce back. Um, and, and there's some that are, you know, really fighting a good fight for it. Lumberton's out there really making some headway, struggling every day for it, but it's got some good things in place. Um, Scotland County is, you know, another one of those that I'm familiar with that is just um, working so hard to make good choices in regards to those things. We talked about apartments earlier. Uh, apartment construction in the major markets is a is growing leap by leaps and bounds. And a lot of it is growing in downtown areas. Downtown areas have become very popular all of a sudden. Do you see that all across the state or is that just limited to the uh, major markets of Charlotte, Greensboro, and, and Raleigh? It's not just limited to the major markets, but obviously it's more amplified in the major markets. And we're seeing a lot of apartments going in because they're needed. We're also seeing some interesting things happen, like conversion of hotels into apartments or condominiums. We're also seeing converting of commercial spaces into apartment condominiums, um, those types of things. And that's all just an example of this dire need for housing. And we're having to rethink a lot of spaces um, that, that we didn't have to consider or think about in the past. I know my hometown of Bessemer City near Gastonia has uh, a textile plant right in the middle of town, and it's been sold to a developer who's going to develop something like uh, 75 or 80 condos in that space. Do you see much of that going on where people are taking large uh, warehouse type or, or con commercial buildings and converting it to living units? We do, and if that's a historic space, um, you know, years ago, we fought really hard as realtors to make sure we preserved that historic tax credit. Um, in, in Fayetteville, the Prince Charles Hotels was converted into apartments and office space. And so congratulations to you. I think that's going to look fantastic and be a great asset for your community. We do see that happening across the state in any, especially um, smaller communities that have those old warehouse buildings really need to be looking at converting them if they need housing. 
Well, it, it makes an awful lot of sense economically and also uh, from a point of using land and, and uh, natural resources. It just makes a lot of sense. It does. It really does. Reuse, repurpose, recycle. That's exactly right. Yeah, and uh, creates a lot of situation. Well, I have an awkward amount of time here. I don't have really enough time to ask another question in this segment and give you time enough to answer. So uh, I'll set the stage and say that in the next segment, we're going to move to talking about mortgage rates and the types of mortgages that are out there these days and what you're foreseeing as far as rates and where they may be going. And we will do that when we return with the next segment of Carolina Newsmakers. And we will do that right after these messages. Excuse me. I know you have a nine o'clock, so I'll keep this short. I'm the business suit in the back of your closet. You wore me nearly every day before your office went, quote, casual. I used to be the CEO of your closet. Now I'm just that one intern no one ever talks to. I always thought you'd circle back with me. Get granular. Keep me in the pipeline. But nada. Nothing. Don't you remember the McKittrick presentation? You spilled coffee on me, and I still looked amazing during the breakout talkback Q&A. So, I think it's time for me to move on. I've got a great resume, and I absolutely crush it in interviews, okay? Let's make this a clean break. Shift the paradigm. The only thing I ask is that you think outside the box here and do this. Take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create new jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Here's a fun fact for you. The average chameleon can point their eyes in two different directions. On the other hand, the average human can't. So unless you're a chameleon, there's absolutely no way you can focus on texting and driving at the same time. So don't do it. Unless you're a chameleon. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week is Wendy Harris. She is the president of the North Carolina Association of Realtors, which has more than 56,000 members. Uh, there may be more realtors than there are lawyers these days. I'm not sure uh, which one is growing faster. But uh, the uh, this association started back in 1921 with 135 members, and so it's grown quite a lot. And Wendy herself is a realtor, and uh, we want to talk in this segment about the mortgage market. And, of course, mortgage rates are sliding up as we have a bit of inflation going on these days. So what is the picture right now with mortgages and where do you think it's going? Well, I think where mortgage rates go will depend on inflation and where inflation goes. Uh, because the whole point behind, you know, raising those interest rates on the Fed level, which is is indirectly, directly, indirectly connected to mortgage rates, was so that we could curb inflation. Um, and so that's going to depend on the Fed where in Federal Reserve and where, uh, you know, in inflation, if it continues to grow, then we may be looking at another increase. If not, then we then we may not. And if the Fed doesn't do an increase, then mortgage rates are going to, you know, stay where they are uh, for a while, I think. I don't think we're going to see a, a decrease until we're well into keeping getting inflation under control. Um, the interest rates did exactly as far as the mortgage interest rates going up. 
did exactly what the intended effect was of of the Fed was, and it and it tampered that um, just cooled down that hot real estate market, that loan market just just enough, just a little bit. It truly needed it, and so it did exactly as it was intended, and, and thankfully so. So, what are mortgage rates these days on the various types of mortgages that are available for uh, residential purchases? Well, I've seen them everywhere from six to nine percent, depending on what what you're doing and what you're getting. If you're an individual, you know, homeowner looking for owner occupied homes, then you're going to be on the lower end of that scale. If you're buying properties for investment purposes as rentals and stuff, then you're going to be on the higher end of that. Um, I've seen land rates within that range as well. Um, and, and so that's sort of the range that you're in, just depending on what you're what you're doing with your money. We have talked a lot about residential real estate. Uh, we touched a little bit on agriculture or raw land. Let's talk about commercial real estate, because, of course, the 56,000 realtors not only sell residential real estate, but also sell commercial real estate. What's the market there and how does it differ from market to market in North Carolina? So commercial real estate is completely specific to the varying markets. Residential real estate is as well, although you can pick up trends in a lot of places that are similar, even if they're lagging behind each other. Uh, but the commercial industry is completely different given whatever area you're looking at. So it's hot in certain segments. It's uh, slower in other segments. It's, uh, you know, you're getting higher rates in some things. Land is also a little bit all over the place. Land is certainly being sought after. It's got more value than it has in the past, but it's got to be the right kind of land. Um, if it's not, then it just doesn't have the just doesn't have the same value or the same interest. So com- the commercial industry is is its own beast, um, and and you have got to have a lot of experience and really know what you're talking about to be able to have a a serious in depth conversation about what commercial looks like in the different segments uh, of the area. Now, for the most part, your fifty six thousand members, <coughs> pardon me usually stick to one type. In other words, you'll have a residential realtor or you'll have a commercial realtor. Yeah, Don, in the larger markets, that is very accurate. In the really small rural areas, um, you know, a realtor has to wear all hats because there just aren't a lot of experts in those areas. So when you talk about your smaller towns and stuff, you'll see a realtor who does it all. In fact, they may be selling real estate, they may be appraising it, they may be doing residential, commercial, they may be doing commercial sales and commercial leasing, they may be doing residential property management. And then when you get into the larger areas and the realtor hears that, they're like, that's impossible. You you can't do all of that. Um, It it takes a lot to become a specialist in any single field of it. My my hat goes off to small communities where realtors have to wear all those hats because there's nobody else to do it. I I myself um, specialize in property management, residential sales, and and then I also do lots and land. I can't imagine also doing commercial leasing, commercial sales, and, and all of these other segments of real estate. But then again, we're, you know, a mid-sized market and, and what I do keeps us busy enough. 
One of the things that's kind of interesting, and I'm not sure that I know the how this is going to adjust, but with the rapid raise in the value of homes, this is going to change the appraisals for tax reasons. What's that going to do to the uh, tax rate? <laughs> in other words, all of a sudden, hmm. if homes are worth 25% more, does that mean 25% more tax is going to go to the city or will the cities uh, actually lower their tax rates? Well, you know, that's, that's a really great question. And it is something that we're monitoring. We've had some areas, of course, where the evaluations have started to happen um, during COVID, although they might have been slowed down also because everything's been slowed down because of it. And so over the next four years, the next three, four years, we're monitoring for any real issues. Now, of course, you know, our hope is that those adjustments are going to be made to where there's just sort of a, you know, those, the, the, the adjustments to where it's equitable and, and we're not seeing um, payments go up that much. Because when you talk about housing affordability, the last thing you want is for anyone's payment to go up several hundred dollars a month because then even the local communities are going to experience problems with that. And I don't think anybody wants people not to be able to afford the housing. Now, builders seem to fall, especially in the larger markets, into two categories. They're either speculative, uh, building, uh, filling out subdivisions, or they are custom builders. Um, is that true in small markets as well? The people specialize? Yeah. I, I think so as, yeah, no, I was just going to say, I think you're right on target there. In in the residential side of it, you tend to have spec builders who are your, who are your larger builders who can build several homes at one time. And then you've got your smaller builders and, you know, my hats are off to them. They are just dealing in a very difficult time right now. Like most businesses, margins are being reduced on profitability and particularly in the construction business, costs just continue to rise, lack of supply, lack of, you know, manpower um, and, and expertise in building. It's tough. We touched on this briefly before because you mentioned, for example, the Prince Charles Hotel. Downtowns in the major cities are undergoing a lot of, uh, of change. Uh, first of all, a lot of apartments. People are moving back to the downtown areas. Is this happening in the smaller towns as well? Um, you know, I think everyone's got their their unique issues that they're dealing with. The smaller towns that are experiencing growth and have a lot of land and development, maybe their their uh, downtowns are. Um, being reinvigorated. We're certainly seeing a drive for that from the municipalities within those more rural areas, uh, because I think everyone understands the advantages of that, especially the municipalities get it. It's like, it's easier to provide the services we need to provide if we can concentrate the people into these areas. Um, but then again, you know, it's just cost versus value. And that's really what's going to drive real estate is, is cost versus value. There's a lot of areas where you go to downtown areas and you see an awful lot of empty storefronts. On the other hand, you go to some towns like, say, Morganton, where the downtown real estate, there are no empty storefronts. What do you, why do you think that is? Why are some cities being able to resurrect? I'm, I'm talking about basically the smaller towns. 
resurrect their downtown areas mm -hmm. and turn them into something that is of value, whereas other towns aren't? I think um, there has been a long, a, a very long history of concentrated efforts to bring things to those communities with a singular focus of what those communities are, are going to be. None of those things just happened. If you look back, those really successful towns like Morganton, these plans started 20 years ago, right? They're, they're, they've just been very specific. They've been very focused on what they want and where they need to get to. And they've brought together the consensus of people in the communities. A lot of times you're going to see that the counties and those towns are working together to move everything forward. In a lot of communities, the city don't necessarily work together as well in a traded way. We're also seeing areas where Kansas even different areas, uh, you know, they're they're adjacent to each other and they come together to create things that really draw people in. And I think that's the focus is figuring out how to work together and having a very clear vision and mission. We touched on this subject also a little bit earlier, and I call them seasonal homes, but I guess they're actually second homes in, in uh, tourist areas like uh, the coast of North Carolina and the mountains. How hot is the second home market right now? Well, it has been very hot. You know, during during COVID, it became a, a very big thing. Uh, with interest rates, though, going up, you've seen a little bit of a cooling down of that because a second home is not a necessity. And so when the interest rates went up, that was one of the first markets where people went, mm, yeah, not sure we need to get that home right now because the prices have gone up so much. And then when the interest rates pop up, as well, they just tend to pull back. So higher end home purchases, second home purchases, those were some of the first backing off that we saw, as well as first time home buyers who were just priced out of the market. And uh, you gave me uh, the housing supply, uh, the length of time of houses on the market uh, has increased somewhat. Is it increasing more in second homes and faster than it is in uh, the standard housing? It has been, again, market by market, it may just be a little bit different, but overall, we did see an increase in those second homes happen first. But really, those interest rates tampered the entire real estate market. Um, the, 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 the space in which it was least affected um, by the raise in interest rates was in that what, what would be called affordably priced homes in any market. And that was the smallest impact because those are the homes that everyone is mostly still working for. They need it. They need it for their families. And so where the greatest need is where you're still going to have the highest demand. Now, North Carolina has become sort of a hot area for people in other parts of the country to want to retire in. And part of that is you alluded to the beauty of the state, but also the beaches and mountains. What are people that uh, you talk to that are just moving to North Carolina for retirement, and that would include the military folks. What do you what do you hear from them? Why are they saying that North Carolina is the kind of place they want to live? You know, most often the things that I hear, well, of course, you know, North Carolina is famous for the, the, the halfbackers that we hold near and dear to our hearts, the ones who, you know, fled the snow for the sun, and then it got too hot, and now they're sort of, you know, too hot, too many storms, and now they've come halfway back. And so North Carolina offers a lot of things. We have, uh, for the most part, a lot of areas in the state have a temperate climate. 
um, affordability-wise, even though our prices are going up, when you compare our pricing to the Northeastern United States or to the Florida markets, we're still affordable in comparison. So you've got affordability, you've got a temperate climate, you've got a lot of things to get to in a very easy way. So you've got a good variety. And, you know, it's the same reason I came to North Carolina and came back to North Carolina. I'm not from here originally, but North Carolina, to me, it's a comfortable state to live in as far as the people go. I love North Carolinians. They've always been very welcoming. They've always been very warm. And it's just a great state from a culture perspective as well. And I think a lot of people just feel that. Well, certainly, I I look at uh, North Carolina through uh, rose-colored glasses and love to live here. And I always say there's only three kind of people, people who live in North Carolina, people who want to live in North Carolina, and people who don't know about it. So that's the way (laughs) I look at it. Well, our guest is Wendy Harris, and we have one final segment of Carolina Newsmakers. We're going to take a break for some commercial messages, and then we'll be back again with Wendy, and we'll do that right after these messages. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? (laughs) It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Taking pictures? No, I'm asking you questions. Like what? Hey, Bobo, do flowers have best friends? I'm sorry, I'm afraid I don't know that. Hey, follow me. I want to show you something. Look, flowers do have best friends. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. We're back with Wendy Harris, who is the president of the North Carolina Association of Realtors. A reminder, a number of our stations that carry this program across North Carolina carry a half-hour version of the program rather than the full hour. If you happen to be listening to one of those stations and would like to hear the two segments that you miss, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and hear those two segments. Or if you'd like to share the entire broadcast with a friend or someone that you feel would benefit from listening to it, you can uh, listen to the entire broadcast. That's carolinanewsmakers.com. Uh, As I said, our guest this week is Wendy Harris. She's the president of the North Carolina Association of Realtors with 56,000 members across North Carolina. And real estate goes in many areas, commercial, residential, land, and so forth. We've talked all about that sort of thing. But the realtors have a unique relationship with economic development and the North Carolina Economic Development Commission and the Department of Commerce. Let's talk a little bit about how the realtors work with those two organizations to promote growth in North Carolina. 
We have really enjoyed working with both of those organizations and our role in there is a supportive role. We um, really like to support their projects. We like to support marketing efforts and really getting that message of um, housing and other real estate um, information and, and storylines out there. And so that's, that's the way we've seen in the past years that we have best been able to impact that economic development, whether it's from our commercial side and our commercial members providing information. Um, you know, real estate is interesting these days, and, and it's very hard to have a conversation about commercial real estate without talking about residential anymore. And it's really hard to have a residential conversation without speaking about commercial real estate. And economic development groups realize that better than anyone, that the two conversations have to happen at once. And, and in North Carolina, we've got members and information from both of those groups. And so we can really do a lot from a supporting role. When a company is looking to locate in a particular area, and of course, they're working basically with the economic development folks um, and sometimes with the banks. Uh, do they often call you and say, you know, uh, this uh, company is interested in, in, say, Fayetteville or Scotland County or someplace, uh, and uh, we need some assistance? What kind of assistance do they ask for? So early into the process, the types of questions will be, we, we will get asked are things about the community, housing availability, those types of things, which we are well prepared to answer. And even when we travel to different economic development um, conferences and those types of things, those are a lot of the questions that we get um, and, and, and that we are the experts on. And that's really helpful to those groups and those companies to understand because they're not just bringing their employers and their managers um, to these positions because they're also going to be hiring, they need to make sure that they're going to be able to bring in people who do want to live in those areas. So understanding the, the lifestyle of those communities is very important to these um, industrial uh, and commercial uh, buyers. I'm going to change the subject a little bit now and talk about uh, the supply of homes and uh, how, especially in some areas, we need a lot more home construction and uh, apartment construction and uh, even in industrial sites and so forth. How much has the supply chain problems affected construction? How much is delayed because simply can't get the supplies on time or get them at all? It has been a real problem. It, it really has. It has. And it's not it's the supply chain, but then it's also the pricing. And so whether you're able to get the supplies at all and versus the other, the other tier of that is if the supplies come in priced at what you had planned when you started a project, because you start a project with all types of projections. So we've seen interesting things happening that says, you know, we can custom build your home and we can agree to this price right now, but we're going to have prices built in for inflation as well. And when it comes to closing, then we agree that this price may raise up prior to closing and that you're going to have to finance a lot more money or pay cash for the difference. It's, it's really been a very challenging um, time for a lot of people and not just on the new construction, but even on the renovation ends of things. 
um, you know, refitting old homes to get them on the market so that they can be used for housing. We, we've just seen it all over the board. And, and so it's the supply and then it's the pricing that are both creating issues. We uh, have talked about uh, the, the recession and the effect that people are saying that there are certain things in the economic cycle that just naturally have to happen and will happen. Most of the economists are telling me that whatever recession we might have in North Carolina is going to be uh, limited somewhat and probably very light. Are you hearing about the same thing? We will be a mild recession. And one of the reasons we feel that way is, is because in, in our industry and the real estate industry does drive a lot of the economic performance of the country as well as the state of North Carolina. And, and with, the, with the facts still out there that we've got low supply and high demand, that is going to somewhat temper a recession that we've got because it's going to continue meaning money is being spent, things are being purchased, and jobs are going to be available. I must mention to our listeners that we are doing this broadcast by Zoom, and a couple of times Wendy is sort of uh, uh, frozen up, but that uh, we apologize for that. But that's a problem with uh, this day and age. And she is actually, you're actually in a car, I believe, aren't you? I am driving to a family service in Dublin, Georgia at the moment. So we truly are in the age of technology. And yes, I apologize for any interruptions in the interview. Well, stay under the speed limit so you, we don't see a blue light come around and uh, slow you down. Uh, so, uh, oh, full disclosure, Don. Don, just so everyone knows, I am riding. I am not driving. Let's just say that. This is a safe interview on the telephone. Oh, 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 that, that's even better to know. Uh, so is the supply chain situation getting better or are uh, construction companies being able to get supplies a little quicker and uh as a follow-up to that, are prices stabilizing any at all? Um, so I think we'll see prices. Well, okay, <laughs> this is this is the magic eight ball question, right? There are a lot of dynamics happening internationally that have big question marks behind them. So let's, without getting into any of those things, let's just know that it is really hard to predict because of the things that are happening worldwide. Um, I will say that being said, supply chains um, should become hopefully a little bit more stabilized, but it's going to depend on the, the product. So we're going to see hiccups along the way. Prices may stabilize in the sense that they're not erratic necessarily, but I don't think we're going to see any backwards motion on, on pricing. I think we're still going to see pressure on, on supplies and, and the pricing on those supplies. Then the other thing we've got to throw in there is we are going to continue to see problems with not having the expertise and the manpower to continue to build. And those jobs are going to, the, the prices of that labor is going to continue to appreciate as well because the demand is high and the supply is, is low. So that's going to continue to put um, pressure on that building industry also. One of the major reasons for associations is to advocate for 
that particular uh, business category. What uh, are the things that you feel like the General Assembly in North Carolina could do to help the cause of housing in North Carolina? And what are the issues that you are advocating for at this present time? Oh, we have a we have a lot on the legislative agenda as far as things that we are advocating for. Um, one of the things that we that we just had a lot of success with was the remote online notary that's really going to help North Carolina move forward as far as being able to do real estate in the current world that we're living in. And so that was a real positive step forward about getting us into a space to be able to compete um, nationally with that and just ease of transactions. Because whenever you don't have and when I say ease of transactions, safety is very important. But as long as transactions are safe, when, when you have ease, you also have reduction of, of costs many times. The more difficult things are to do, oftentimes you see that the costs rise in them as well. And so we are working um, actively as well just to, like you mentioned, zoning and making sure that we've got local municipalities as, as well as on the state encouraging um, uh, construction and the building that needs to happen, but also in very smart ways. We live in a beautiful state, but we also deal with fire, tornadoes, hurricanes, and flooding. And so making sure we're doing things in a way that actually helps to protect the state a thousand years from now and not doesn't, and doesn't just solve the immediate problem. Well, uh, you've done a great job of answering my questions. I also see that you're an avid supporter of Habitat for Humanity, which is a wonderful organization. Would you like to put in a plug for Habitat? Uh, you know, I would. I love Habitat. I'm, I'm very passionate about it. I've been involved for almost 20 years now. And what I love most about Habitat for Humanity is it moves people towards home ownership. Um, it may do it at low interest or zero interest loans, but the fact is that a lot of people who are Habitat homeowners used to be in subsidized housing. And, and so moving people towards home ownership means that we have more engagement in the communities. We have a lot of responsibility to be taken on. We're adding to our tax basis and our little local communities. And so there's so many positive things that happen. And then on the, just on the housing side of it, we know that homes that are owned instead of rented have um, better um, better outcomes overall, whether it's health mentally or physically, whether it's graduation rates, whether it's uh, lower cr uh, crime rates and more community service, higher voting records, those types of things. So I, I, Habitat's a natural thing for me to be passionate about, um, but it's tied to my understanding of what housing does in breaking the generational poverty cycle and finally helping families families to um, set up a cycle of generational wealth. Well, I think Habitat would be very proud of your uh, endorsement, and it is a wonderful organization, and, and people can, of course, get more information about Habitat by going online, and the same is true about the North Carolina Association of Realtors. If you'd like to check their website, I think you'll find a lot of helpful information. Just Google North Carolina Association of Realtors. Our guest has been Wendy Harris. She's the president of the North Carolina Association of Realtors, and uh, she has answered an awful lot of questions. Again, if you'd like to share this broadcast with a friend, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and do just that. The program has been produced by Jason Kong, and he promises us another guest next week. Have a good week, everybody. 
Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.